0: We welcome you to the rest podcast the messages you will hear have been taken from sessions from past rest conferences we pray that god will use this message to encourage and strengthen you in your walk with the lord and your ministry for him take your bible's please, and turn to second corinthians uh, chapter 12. i'm just going to tell you it's a shotgun message i'm going to be all over the map so if you're taking notes Nothing else, you get a good outline tonight, <laughs> that's for sure. i got to tell a few stories. I, I do this, uh, I get nervous when I get up, so I do this to settle myself down, and some of y'all probably just, you've heard all these. But I remember years ago, this uh, fellow was, uh, by the way, do you ever get on a road back when, before we had GPSs, and you just traveled down the road a long way, thought you were going the right way, and about two hours later you found out you are going the wrong way? Does anybody ever do that? I did it on I-40 one time. And I was almost to Wilmington before I figured out. I mean, I had driven two hours. That's back when you used road maps. But I remember one time this fellow and his wife, they had, he was pretty frustrated because they'd been going the wrong way. They'd stopped to get something to eat and they got out of there. He's in a hurry to get back up on the road and make time to get back. And, and uh, she looked down and it dawned on her about 10 miles into the trip that she'd forgot her purse at the restaurant. And her husband was already upset, so she went about 20 miles, and uh, she thought, I got to tell him, and uh, and she was kind of watching the exits, almost 25 miles before she said a word, and she said, honey, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but said, I, I left my purse back at that restaurant, you got to be kidding me, she said, no, I'm not. I mean, he whipped off that ramp and spun that car back around, came down the other side wide open. He gave her a belly full for 25 minutes, let her have it both barrels. She was in tears when she got there. She unhooked her seatbelt and jumped out of the car. He said, hey, hey, while you're in there, get my hat and credit card. <laughs> That's just kind of the way it is sometimes. And John Bishop's a member of our church. How many of you all know who John Bishop is? John Bishop is just, has God is so good ministry. And, you know, he he was a powerful preacher. How many of you ever heard John Bishop preach before he got the meningitis? I mean, the guy could cut drive. He would let it rip. And uh, then, of course, he lost his memory, lost everything, and he, he's built on the back. He's a good preacher now. His health is failing him some. But uh, Brother Bishop, if you ever been around, he talks like this. Brother Norse, everybody should have three bones. Three bones. Said, Need, need wishbone to dream with, must have backbone to stand, and must have funny bone to laugh at yourself. <laughs> and he laughs like that. <laughs> and I, I never forgot that, you know. Don't, don't ever take yourself too seriously. And uh, I've enjoyed this meeting, and I know that some had to bail out for different reasons in COVID. And by the way, this COVID thing is a real, is a real deal. My brother-in-law passed away we buried him in January, just a little graveside, and, and uh, I was back. Everybody was scared to death. and uh, The funerals have not been normal. Um, you can't visit in nursing homes. I go out standing in the bushes. I feel like a creeper in my nursing home talking through a window on the cell phone. How you doing, Edney? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just doing great. Standing there, and everybody looking at you like, boy, you're a creep, you know. <laughs> Everything's just weird. And you know you go to the hospital and they take your temperature and spray you down and everything put put on all this garb, it's crazy but it's a real thing. And my brother-in-law was it was saved, just retired from TVA uh, two years earlier. He and his wife were just having the time of their life, and he walked into the hospital, put on the gown, and a few weeks later he was dead. It just tore our family to pieces. And so I I had, um, it's been it's been almost uh, almost two weeks now. I had six funerals in 10 days, all of them COVID funerals except for one. I've never had that in my life. I had a funeral the other day. And by the way, these folks, we don't, we don't seriously don't have COVID. <laughs> oh, you're starting to back away from me right now. It's, it's going, we, we don't have it in our church, but these are people that were kind of shut in and, and somehow they got it. And, uh, we had a funeral over in the, what they call the McMinnville area, the foothills of the, of the Cumberland Plateau, beautiful, beautiful graveside. And uh, we had uh, followed two Whitehurst out there, and husband and wife died within a day of each other. And we buried them both together there on the side of that hill. And I'm going to tell you, it's been tough. It's been tough. I have my opinions about all of it. We had a man in our church, a very wealthy man. And he texted me, he thought he was dying. He said, Pastor, and by the way, he pulled through, praise God, just, just the other day. he is, Just Sunday, he made his first trip back to church, sat on the front row with an oxygen tank, very healthy man. He said, Preacher, it's one thing to be sick and know you're going to die. It's another thing to know where this virus came from. And so everything today is bad, but it's almost insult to injury when you think about the ramifications of all of it and you you know you know there is a great conspirator his name is satan and he's pulling some strings right here just before the rapture and that should be sending a volley across the bow of your ship to let you know that you need to be ready and you need to be getting as many people ready to meet the lord as you can i mean this dis- this was not done in a corner i'm talking about everything that's going on right now the politics Afghanistan, all of us, none of us down the corner. I mean, God is just saying, you people down there, you've been studying prophecy all your life, why don't you pay attention to what's going on and understand there's a God in heaven, we're going to meet him someday. I don't know how I got on all that. Now that everybody's in deep depression, I'll take you to a very depressing passage of Scripture, <laughs> this rest conference. And the uh, preacher said, um, Brother Polly and Brother Hooks, I said, just, just be an encouragement, so... I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that for me is encouraging. Now, when I read it, you're going to say, good night. But uh, look at verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is uh, speaking here, and he says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, by the way, verses 1 through 6, if we have time, we'll get this. Uh, This guy was caught up in the third heaven. He was able to see things that you and I will never see till we get the glory. And then God had him write about those things. You ever wonder, the, the, the disciples were able to walk and talk with Jesus. They were able to pin everything down the Gospels because they heard Jesus say it personally and all that. But, but Paul had to get his education somewhere other than the, the, the Judaizers. And so, man, God just opened up his brain and poured it in him. And uh, it was a very special, special thing given to an apostle only. And so he had all this knowledge. And by the way, I, I I believe the Bible was inspired of God, and God used penman to do it. But I was also was taught that sometimes their personalities will come out in their writing. You may or may not believe that, but I mean, you read Moses and you read David; there's a difference. And uh, but it's all inspired of God, and God directed all of it and superintended with His Holy Spirit. I believe all that. But as as Paul writes. He just, he just got all this knowledge of things that you and I need to know in this age of grace. He says more about the rapture. He says more about uh, end times and other people. He says more about grace. He says more about, he gets in Romans, he gets down the deep things of, of salvation, almost like a lawyer, like a prosecuting attorney. I mean, it's just God, where did all that come from? We had all this knowledge that God poured in him in that event in verses 1 through 6. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Would you underscore that phrase? There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, given like a gift. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, what? You mean God gave this blessing of a thorn, but it came from Satan to buffet me, to beat me up, to wear me out, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, in my Bible, this is red-lettered. And by the way, I know that mine's either an Oxford or a Cambridge or whatever, and sometimes they're not red-lettered. But in my Bible it is, my grace, Jesus speaking here, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, your weakness. My grace and my strength are made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, here's the result. Well, I rather glory my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me? Therefore, because of all this I just read, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. At your weakest point is your strongest point spiritually. Now that works completely opposite in our brains, but that's what the Bible says. I want to draw your attention to that phrase, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. I want to speak on this subject for just a while tonight. It's just a thorn. It's just a thorn. Father, bless us now, please. I need the help of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here. I want all of us to leave this place refreshed and rested spiritually especially. And give us your help, please, from the Scripture. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I was a little boy, I was raised in West Virginia. That's why I like this meeting. Got a lot of West Virginia people here. God bless you. Go Mountaineers. But anyway, um, so I, uh, I uh, and we have winter time up there, I and mean, we have real winter time, and we like to go sleigh riding. And, we had, and I was raised in Evans, West Virginia, and the best sleigh riding hill in the world was behind Ricky Parsons' house. And, uh, Jake, if I, if I could pin you down, I could give you the geography. You'd know right where I'm talking about. But uh, we pull our sled over there. You know, it was about a quarter of a mile over. But, you know, it got caught. Well, this thing was the coolest thing ever. You'd shoot down this side of this hill, and and there's this little jump kind of like, and then you'd land again. And then you either had a chance to go through the briar patch or stay low and go underneath the barbed wire fence wasn't no stopping. You couldn't stop. You're going about 30 mile an hour on a sled. So it was a coolest thing. I mean, you know, if we didn't bring the blood or someone didn't bust their nose or whatever, you know, we weren't sleigh riding. You know, I remember one time my mom bought us all these fake leather coats, winter coats. They really were plastic. And I fell off my sled one time and I found out I could go faster on my back in that plastic coat than I could on my sled. And I remember when home and I had uh, the briar patch, I tore the whole back out of that coat, and I had no idea. When I walked in, the back was out of the coat, and I took a royal beating. I'd, my mama, she would thrash you. I mean, she'd just spank you all over your body. And I know that's child, child abuse now, but but anyway, we were sleigh riding and we would wax those, we would wax those runners up, man. We had fast sleds and we were having a big time. I mean, the big time. There was a bunch of us So we had a fire bill on top, and uh you know, when you're out in the cold all day, you just kind of get numb, and, you know, we would, we, would, we would sleigh ride to our fingers and feet would be numb. We didn't have insulated anything back then, you know. Uh, we didn't have ice skates. I would go ice skating in my Sunday shoes, you know, woohoo, no breaks. Anyway, we had a big time. So I went home after sleigh riding uh, all day, and my, my fingers were froze. They were numb, and I took my gloves off. I took my one glove off on my right hand. It was full of blood. All oh, the old brothers. I hauled it from my big brother, and my big brother, Joey, came in and he looked and I had a thorn in my, in my, uh, he said, it was just a thorn. And so I pulled it out. What I did not know when I pulled that out was the hull of that thorn. It was down in there pretty deep and been in there all day, wiggling, waggling around, you know. It left a big old hole. I got a scar right there from all of it. <laughs> he said, it's just a thorn, Mikey, you know. I was like, well, it hurt. Well, I pulled it out. You know, we put some mercuric comb on it or whatever, which never did anything for anybody. That's that's the mercuricolm was the watered-down version of methylate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Methylate burned, mercuricolm to anyway. It's so alcohol, peroxide. Anyhow, so uh, I didn't even tell mom about it. Well, the next day I woke up and my finger, my finger was like three or four times the size it should be. And I couldn't move it. It was throbbing. I couldn't bend it. I went and showed, showed it to Joe. He said, "Oh man," said that thing's infected. And I pulled up my pajama top or arm, and I had a red streak going up my arm. He said, "Oh my!" He said, "You gotta tell Mama now. He's this awful. They're gonna have to cut your arm off." I mean, I said, "You said it was just a thorn." I said, "Oh, they're gonna you're gonna cut your finger off. They may have to cut your arm off. You got blood poisoning." He said, "Man, gets in your brain, you will go crazy." You know. <laughs> He told me all kinds of stuff. He had me so worried to death. I went squalling into mom and they took me down to Kessel Clinic and they lanced that thing. We won't get into all this stuff about that, but I'm gonna tell you what, it was a it was a real mess. But it was just a thorn. Now I thought about that and I thought this word came up in this text, and I thought, why did he say that I got gifted with a thorn in the flesh and it came from Satan? I want to give you three things underneath these three things. We have four or five things, so stick with me. It's a three-point outline, but it can go on and on. So you listen fast, and we'll preach fast and get out fast. How about that? Number one, I want you to notice, please, first of all, the observation of the thorn. So I got to observing this thing about the thorn and Paul's thorn and the thorn that I had. He didn't say that he was given a disease, although I think it probably was that. He didn't say Uh, anything else about the thorn, and there's been all kind of supposition about what was the thorn. Can I give you about four or five ideas about the thorn? As you think about the thorn in your flesh, and I personally think that every pastor and probably every Christian has something in life that just goes with him through life. And some things just never seem to go away. It may be asthma. It may be, uh, I thought about Moses. Moses was slow of speech. And I remember, I remember hearing one, a preacher years ago, talk about Moses when he threw down his rod and, uh, it turned into a snake and, and, uh, God said, "Now pick it back up." And Moses said, Moses said "God, I, I, I d- 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 don't want to pick up that s- s- snake." And and you know what? He carried that all through life, whatever his speech problem was. And uh, Paul says, "I've got this sore in the flesh." We're going to get into this here tonight, but I want you to consider right now: What is it right now? Or maybe you say, "Who is it?" What is the condition? What is it? that plagues you. I know a preacher that's dyslexic, but he's a very successful preacher. But the way he goes at just his sermons is just backwards for me. I, I don't even understand. And the guy gets up and preaches great. Well, I want you to write down maybe five ideas about this. First of all, I want you to write this down, pain. Pain, they all start with P. I personally believe, and I cannot prove this, but I personally believe that the apostle battle with the two possibilities. Tradition says he had a rheumatism type disease, uh, similar to what Spurgeon had. And then others, they, they said that his stature is small and that he, that he went with like a hump on his back. He was just, he was just all bent over. Some say they could have been because of beatings and some of the things he went through in life. I do not know, but he had, and others say he had an eye disease. Um, when he was struck blind there on the road to Damascus he got his sight back but some say he always struggled with it. and i can't prove any of this okay but i will tell you this that some theologians believe that when he wrote the bible he used somebody, and he was this he was the penman, but in most of his letters he didn't actually make the mark on the page. He used some other person to do that, and then he would close his his letters out like he said, "You see how big a letter I write i Paul and sometimes he would kind of put his signature, you might say, on the end now, i can't prove any of this i 'm just going through some things that i I was told when I was in Bible college. i don 't know what it is, but I do believe that the apostles struggled with pain. And, uh, I wrote this second thing down. It could have been persecution. It could have been, man, he goes to the Bible. This guy names names of people that cause him all kind of trouble. And, uh, I think about, uh, some of the persecution that we see here in the previous chapter in second, uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 11, look at verse number. Let's see if I can get down here and get, um, Look at verse number 23. Are you ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. This is chapter 11. I'm more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequent, in deaths off. Of Jews five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. We read about some of those, but he was shipwrecked more than the times we read. Uh, let's see. A night and a day I've been in the deep. The guy floating around the ocean. And He goes on. He says, "In journeys, often in perils and waters; in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of, my, of the heathen, in the perils of the city, in perils of wilderness, in perils of sea, perils of false brethren, and weariness, and painfulness, and watchings, and hunger, and thirst, and fastings, and cold, and nakedness." I mean, there are times the guy didn't have enough clothes to keep him warm. No wonder he said, uh, "Come quickly! Winter times come and Bring my cloak." The guy floating around in a board shipwrecked. I mean, were you reading about where he was snake-bitten one time? Kenny Baldwin's famous message, Shake It Off, if you've never heard that. You need to get that. That's a good one right there. I don't know if it has anything to do with the Bible, but it's a good message. That's a great message. I mean, you look at the life of the Apostle Paul. The things that I'm rehearsing right now, would most Christians would give up, and most preachers would give up. I'm going to tell you this. If I was floating a night and a day out in the deep, that would probably do me in. Probably, shipwreck, I'd never get on another ship. One time would do me in. I'd never get on another one. I had a guy one time, businessman, he's getting ready to build a, a section of real fancy apartments. And, and he he wanted to get on this just a few years ago. He wanted to get on the nicest rural Caribbean ship, brand spanking new rural Caribbean ship. And he wanted to get on it. And he wanted to stay in their nicest suite. He had the money to do it because he wanted to look at the layout because he wanted to build these little condos or little apartments, you might say, to match those. He was just all about rural Caribbean. I get a call in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock in the morning from this guy. He's out in the middle of the deep blue sea. His cell phone is working. He said, I'm on the, I'm on the virgin voyage of this big ship. We're about to, we're about to go down. This ship is about to, about to sink. And he was letting me hear some of the waves crash. He said, all of our porch furniture, he was like, like 10 or 12 floors up, all of our porch furniture is gone. He said, it's coming through the windows, preacher. He said, you know my business. Here's who you need to contact. He went through this thing. Here's where my wheel is. I need you to take care of my kids. The guy was weeping and and wailing on the phone. His wife was screaming like an Alabama wild woman. It was awful. And my wife and I bailed out of bed. We prayed, and God God got him out of that thing. And I'll be, if that guy didn't get right on a boat again that summer, if I'd have got on a boat one time that ever happened to me, I'd never get on another one. But Paul said that happened to me three times. One time that tells about it where they, they tried to eddy this boat into a little creek and and they ran the fore part of the ship in the sand and the waves just got to mashing on the back of that thing and started tearing everything all apart. 276 people in that boat, but God was with them and they floated in. The people could swim, said swim. Those of you who can't swim, get on a board somewhere and float in. I'm going to tell you what, if I had hair raising experience like that, no wonder, by the way, ladies, no wonder that my guy wasn't married. I mean, I took my wife on some venture like that. It would be over, honey. It's just missions. Yeah, well, it might be missions, but I'm not going anymore. You know, and uh, I mean, I mean, people tried to kill him, and the list goes on and on and on. Beaten with rods. Now, this is the apostle. What was it? I I don't know. It could have been pain. It could have been persecution. It could have been poverty. I mean, the guy had all kind of money when he was in when he was uh, a Pharisee and and kind of set was a candidate for the sand heater and all that. Had all kind of money. I'm sure he had a big old house and all that. But when he walked away, he had nothing. In fact, he got so uh, a poor one time, had it not been for the gifts that came from some churches, the guy wouldn't have had a, anything to eat or place to stay. Now, he doesn't complain about that. He doesn't talk about that. He says, I know what it's like to be hungry. I know what it's like not to have any clothes to wear. I know what it's like not to have a roof over my head. I just know what that's like. But I'm going to be content in all things. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's his lifestyle. The thorn was the, the, the lifestyle God had for him to live in poverty or pain or persecution. It could have been people. I kind of got ahead of myself. People. He names the names of people like Alexander the Coppersmith did me much evil. Hymenius, I think, was the other fellow. He was kind of involved in that, you know. He starts naming people that, that did him wrong. And by the way, I think he brings that up a couple places in Scripture I think he had, this guy named Alexander, whoever he was, and whatever he did, he had a hard time getting over that. Now, lest you think that you're just Mr. Forgiveness or Miss Forgiveness and and you just, people can wear you out and drag you behind a truck through the streets with a chain and you're going to be forgiving. Oh, God bless you, brother. That was a nice ride. Let's do it again. Lest you think you're that kind of person, the average person isn't like that. Neither was Paul. Uh, I'll pass over that one right there. <laughs> Let's just get the. Um, uh, I think about uh, could have been pride. It could have been pride. And, and you know what? There are a lot of theologians who believe that was it in verses 1 through 6. Listen to this. Look at chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. This is, this, these are the six verses that sets up the verses we read. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Uh, um, God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one I will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. But in my infirmities, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool; for I will say the truth. But I, but uh, now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, that or, or that heareth me, and lest I should be exalted by measure of the abundance of revelation. Here's what he's saying. He said he 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 got back there on the back side of the desert, and God brought him up. And I can't explain all this, but how he chose to write it for us is this. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. And the reason for that statement is this. He was shown some things and told some things that you and I would never believe, would never understand, and he had to put a lid on it. But, oh, he was happy about that. Oh he was excited excited about. It. He was shown things that no other disciple has ever shown. And he came back down and he said, I'm only by the way, help me thank God for the things that he did share. I have not seen neither ear heard, neither is in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him that love him. And that's that verse, by the way, in context is not just talking about heaven. It's talking about all the things that God has for us, the things of grace, the things of mercy, the things of, that God has for you right now. But we skip over them because we're not walking with God. And, God, and, and that's why his writings are not deep necessarily. It's just that you've got to think your way through those things because God just showed him some things. And it could have been pride, he could have been puffed up with it. And that's kind of what he's talking about here. So I don't know, but as we investigate the thorn, the observation of the thorn, we find that it is very painful. It reminds you every day that it's there but it will not kill you and should not stop you. Let me give those again. As we observe the thorn, we see this. It is very painful. Secondly, it reminds you every day it's there. Thirdly, it will not kill you. The thorn is not designed to kill you. My brother said, oh, you're going to die. I didn't. And it should not stop you. The thorn that God allowed for him to have was not designed to stop him. By the way, the thorn didn't kill him. As far as we know, Nero killed him or had him killed. We can't prove that, but it wasn't the thorn. We see the observation of the thorn. We see the definition of the thorn I just gave you. Those points, persecution, pride, pain, poverty, people. I did have a sixth one today. You might jot this one down. Pleasure pulls people out of the ministry. Now, I want to give you, though, spend my time right here, if I could give you the instruction of the thorn, the instruction, the purpose. Why the thorn? Let me read this in context again. I want to give you about six things here real quick. Lest I should be exalted, verse 7, above measure of the abundance of revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I want to give you six things. God gives us a thorn, I believe, number one, to humble us. Would you write that down, to humble us? To humble us. Verse 7. Lest I be exalted above measure... God has a way of taking us down to where he can use us. I know I know. Brother Polly was just talking a while ago, but I knew exactly what he meant. He's introduced me, and I appreciate you introduced me, and he is a dear friend, and I thank God for him. But he says, you know, you like, you like, there's a lot of preachers you like, you just don't want to be around them and all that. We all get all that. But there are a lot of preachers that I'm around that like to hear him preach, but I don't want to be around them. And what's right with that? And sometimes God comes into preachers' lives like that and he brings them down a notch or two with some kind of a thorn. Now, God doesn't do it. He just lifts the hedge and Satan, the messenger, comes in and says, I'm going to afflict him with this. I remember, I remember I'm a late bloomer. I worked for Appalachian Power Company. I worked for Kroger's for a while, and Appalachian Power Company was, was, my, was my dream job. I got in there. Well, I shouldn't say my dream job. God was calling me to preach. I just didn't go when he said go. So I thought I better get a job, pay some bills here, you know. And so I had a great job there, and God called me from that to go to Bible college and uh, sell her home and all of that. I got through school. We sold her house. Um. And we moved in the parsonage. And I wasn't, took the church there, Ripley Baptist Temple took the church, and I was not there 30 days. And I woke up and I couldn't move. I could not move a muscle. I couldn't move my feet, my legs, my hips. I couldn't get out of bed, my arms. I was just in excruciating pain. I was sweating. I told my wife, I said, I've got, can- I got cancer. I got something wrong with me. Just, I, it was the weirdest thing. It hit me overnight. I had had some migrating pain that had been going on for a few months. You know, my shoulder would hurt, and my knee would hurt, and my ankle would hurt, and my elbow would hurt. You know, wouldn't stay for a few days. It had some migrating pain. And I'd been to the doctor of that, and he said, Oh, you got some arthritis. He gave me some uh, pills, and, but I didn't take them. And so, all of a sudden, boom, overnight. made me make a long story short because some of you have heard this story before. Bottom line, I went to the doctor, they shot me full of cortisone in both shoulders both knees, if you know anything about steroids, and then he gave me a big old pill pack of, of prednisone, 90 milligrams, I would take a day. That's a lot. And I uh, like within 24, 48 hours, I was healed. <laughs> I felt great, you know. I could have jumped over the parsonage. I felt great. I said, well, this, whatever that was, that's gone. Well, I found out that the steroids were so heavy they just masked the symptoms, and then as I stepped down off of those, I just got sicker and sicker and sicker. Bottom line, I was a patient several several days with a rheumatologist over to a, a CMC there, and finally he looked at me and said, I can't do anything for you. He said, you're going to be crippled. So I loaded up, and they got me a appointment with a researcher down in uh, Durham, North Carolina. In fact, we were there over Wednesday night. I was able to go to Brother Finley's church about the time Brother Finley was getting started there. I remember that. And um, uh, the researcher's name was John R. Rice. Can you believe that? John R. Rice. I gave him Dr. Rice's biography that had just been written by Ms. Vala Walden. I thought maybe he'll give me a discount. He did not give me a discount. He could have cared less about that. But anyway, bottom line, I made two trips down there, and he told me my last trip, he said, you'll be in a wheelchair time you're 40. That's what he told me. Yeah, systematic active rheumatoid arthritis is the worst kind you can get. The last, last stage, it turns on all your organs and it kills you. That's what I thought. You mean you can die of arthritis? And I came home completely defeated. So I called Benny Hen. <laughs> no, <whatever. laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to take you through all the, all the deep weeds right here, but God gave me a route to follow, and I followed that route. It had to do with prayer. It had to do with uh, getting my deacons together and praying over me and and just following a particular route. And within a year, I I was doing much, much better. But I can tell you something. Our church was so excited and moving on, and almost God just, just took me out of it. And for one solid year, it was all I could do to go back and forth just to the building. I could tell you a sob story, kind of make everybody cry in here because I thought I was going to have to quit the ministry and just got started. And God just took it and turned it around. Sometimes he gives you a thorn to humble you. By the way, I still have arthritis. There's not a day that goes by. That thorn is there. There's not a day that goes by. I wake up. As soon as I move my arm for the first time in the morning, I'm reminded it's there. I do the same thing every morning. Once I'm able to pull my body up out of that bed and get my feet on the floor, I thank God that I can still walk because they told me that I wouldn't. God gives us a thorn, sometimes a humblest. Number two, God gives us a thorn to make us pray, verse 8. For this thing, he says, I besought the Lord three, thrice that it might depart from me. Whatever that thorn was, you label it. But the Bible says he didn't just pray. He uses a very strong word. He says, I besought the Lord. I want to tell you something. If you have not besought the Lord for your thorn, you're not where you need to be with that thorn. Now, God said no. God never took it away, but God gave him something much stronger. I'll show you in just a moment. But I want to challenge you. If there's a thorn in your life and God has identified that in your life and you're carrying that thing, I just want to to challenge you. If your health will allow you, you ought to give that some, some time to pray and fast over that. There ought to be some nights that you spend just praying all night about that. We used to call that watching through the night. The old timers used to do that. They'd have all night prayer meetings and watch through the night. Somebody pray and somebody just kind of watch and someone pray and watch and someone pray. And I want to challenge you. You can argue and fuss and be defeated with that thorn your whole life, or you can beseech the Lord. And beg the Lord for that thing, and there are some people who say, "Oh, I'm not begging Him for nothing." Well, that's okay. Paul did, and so sometimes God gives us a thorn to humble ourselves, and sometimes to pray, get us to pray. Number three, to experience sufficient grace. I don't even know if I can explain this or not, but to experience sufficient grace, verse nine says, "And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee." In other words, God wants to get you the place where we say in the song. Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. Jesus and Jesus only, not your might, but by my spirit. And sometimes God will take the props completely out. I like what the preacher was saying just a moment ago about what Graham said. I have Criswell's book. Most pastors have Criswell's book on pastoring. It's a classic. There's a little section there, as I recall. not read it in years, but as I recall, there's a section in there where he talks about getting yourself to the place of extemporaneous preaching. Did I say that word right? other word's preaching without notes. <laughs> That's a joke about that. Some fellow said, said, I noticed you use notes. And said, he, the lady said, yeah, a visiting preacher said, you use notes. Um, said, yes, ma'am, I do. She says, no, so not our preacher. He preaches out of his head. <laughs> But anyway, um, I've noticed it about older preachers. Older preachers, they just they just got it. They just got a way of opening up the Bible and taking it out. Know, they don't need slides or alliterated outlines. They just bring it. Anybody ever hear roll-off preach? Anybody been to service when Lester Roloff was in the service? He's up there fumbling through his Bible. And you think, this guy don't have it. And he gets up. Well, God said today to me as I got up this morning at 2.30 and walked with God, you know, and he just preaches the house down. It just um, sometimes God just wants to knock the props out from under you where you're able to say, is this the grace of God? The church I lead is by the grace of God. The troubles I get through is by the grace of God. You know, all the problems that we talked about, problems around the table. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible thing when preachers get together. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's happened, this happening. And you know what? It's just the grace of God that got us through all that stuff. I can't answer. Then I said I'd hurry, so I'm, I'm hurrying here. Uh, experience. Sometimes the thorn is to experience strength, strength and weakness. Verse 9. My grace is sufficient for thee. My, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, and God's strength comes in you at your weakest moment. Now, I want to tell you, when I said I had me walking in a year, that didn't did not mean that I was healthy completely healthy, that just means I was able to move around. I remember, I remember the first day I, I walked all the way around that parking lot, the Baptist temple, all the way around. I mean, I, I'm six foot two at that time, 185 pounds. I'd never been sick a day in my life, I did not know what it was to be sick, I had no clue. But for me to walk around that parking lot was a big feat. So I spent two, three years trying to get healed up over that. And I remember during all that, the the big aluminum plant there went on strike. They locked out the union employees. And I had union employees and company employees in our church. And in the middle of all that, our church was growing. It was exciting. We were adding on in the middle of all that. And I remember having to have the meeting, tell these people, don't fuss and fight and all of that. And I remember in, in in I thought well these these guys got locked out uh we won't have any money to pay the bills and God just turned around and he paid the bills we had all the money and the church continued to grow and all of that and I was just dragging my hind legs around through all of it just trying to mumble my way th- through the I I shouldn't tell you I can tell you this but but uh, I'm not a short I don't wear short pants much because it looks like I'm riding a chicken when I wear them so I but I don't go swimming in long pants either. So anyway, so uh, I remember we, we didn't have a hot tub, so I remember we'd get the baptistry real hot, and <laughs> I sh- this is awful. I shouldn't even tell this, But uh, and I had a pair of cut-off uh, blue jeans over there, and I'd make my way over there, and I'd make my way up them steps, and I'd put them them little um, cut-off blue jeans and I t shirt and i get down that bad at nighttime. I wouldn't do it in daytime, nighttime. No one ever came in on me. You are the only people that know that. I just told you that. And I, I remember, you know, I wasn't worth shooting, but God came down, and he did something. It wasn't the preaching. It wasn't anything else. It's just God says, he says, I'm going to show myself strong in the middle of your weakness. Number five, jot this one down. Number five, he experienced God's power in all of it experience God's power. That church back in West Virginia had been through so much. There's really no reason it should have taken off and grown, but it did. And God's power showed up in a, in a, in a wonderful way. I could tell you story after story after story. The number six it gets you to the place, verse 10, where you can take pleasure in hardship. I often read about the apostles singing in prison. I thought, I'm not there, God. But God wants to get you there. God wants to hear you sing. What did you all sing a while ago? That's what you all were saying. God wants to hear you sing. Did you know that God inhabits the praise of his people? That means when God's people are le- legitimately praising him, that God is there. And how hard is it to get your people to really sing like that? And how hard is it for you to get your soul to really sing like that. What a powerful truth. And God wants to get us in our hardships. And you may be here right now struggling with something you've been carrying for a long time. It may not go away. It may never go away. It might go away. God may say yes. God may say no. But the average Christian has never besought the Lord like he should. And I thought about all this. I thought about this thorn. Paul, what about the thorn? They said that he had this eye disease, and his eyes would just run. And I don't mean to sound grotesque, but his eyes would just be pussy and run. He could he could shove his tear ducts like that, and just and and just the disease and scaly around his eyes, scaly around his eyes all the time. And and they said he was nothing much to look at. His appearance was was something that that you wouldn't you, you say this guy don't have anything in him, but whenever he would Whenever he'd rise to preach, the power of God would be on him. I can't see. My eyes are shot. But I can still pen the inspired scriptures. I I can't hardly put one foot in front of the other. They beat me to a pulp. But I can still get on a boat and travel and tell folks about Christ. I want to challenge you tonight. Don't let your thorn stop you. I was preaching up in uh, the northeast. I forget exactly what state I'm in. I never know where I'm at when I'm up there. I don't know where I'm at when I'm down here. I, I, I'm i crazy, I guess. But anyway, I don't think I preached this message, but I preached and encouraged. It was a preachers' conference. And in that message, I said something about keep your hand to the plow and keep moving forward. And the lady handed me this when I came back for the night service. She said, don't back away from the plow. And I want to read this for you right here. I keep it in my Bible. just encouraged me. You've worked in the yoke with the Savior. You've reaped in the harvest for years, but lately your steps may have faltered. You're toiling, been troubled with tears. Remember the strength, by the way, that's a capital S. Remember the strength yoked beside you. In God's will, you're never alone. Impossible things are still possible. Keep reaping where others have sown. Cast every burden on Jesus. His strength will carry your care. Lift up your eyes, fields are golden. God is still God everywhere. Thank you for listening. We hope that the Lord has used this message to speak to you. The REST Conference is a meeting designed to encourage and strengthen pastors, missionaries, evangelists, and their wives, along with other Christian workers serving the Lord in their local churches. REST 2022 is scheduled for September 5th through the 7th at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. We hope that you and your spouse will make plans to be with us. For more information on REST, please visit our website, therestconference.com.